Rocket and Tubbs are back. All day on Deja View. You could win a trip to Miami. Or season one of Miami Vice on DVD. Courtesy of Universal Home Entertainment Canada. One of TV's most powerful police dramas of all time. Spot the clue word. Then log on to Canada.com. Search word Universal. Got it, bud. You're watching the Miami Vice Marathon on Deja View. Also look for the DVD of Miami Vice Season 1 in stores February 8th. <laughs> yes, Canada.com really did exist. And yes, I really did sign up for those sweepstakes. Welcome to Vice and Easy. We're actually going to be going through episode three entitled Cool Running. And... Um, it was actually before the movie Cool Runnings. Cool Running, as I discovered via Google, is kind of a way to say goodbye, but mostly it kind of means like safe travels, safe passage, um, you know, like take care of yourself. So I thought that was cool. Per IMDb, the description for this episode, Crockett and Tubbs must enlist the help of an unreliable petty thief to bust a drug operation run by a trio of homicidal Jamaicans. And written by Joel Cerno. Very excited for that. I was a huge fan of 24 when I was in grade eight. So much so that I actually wrote... <laughs> this is so dorky. I wrote my end of year project. And basically, we were in I. B light. Okay. So IB stands for international baccalaureate, but our school was basically was trying to prep us to go into an international baccalaureate high school. And so our final project, we had to relate something to this phrase homo faber, which is man making. Do not ask me how I related 24 to this idea of like how something is made. Maybe I went through like production. I don't, I wish I could find a copy of this final project. If I do find it a hundred percent, I'll share it with you. Not that I'm sure that there are a ton of Miami Vice 24 fan crossovers. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe there's lots of me. Um, but yeah, so that's my little fun fact about Joel Cerno and 24. I don't really think he's doing much now. I think he, he just took that 24 syndication, that 24 money and retired. So good for him. Now we open with this episode with Crockett and Tubbs doing undercover surveillance work in a white dingy, I don't want to say <laughs> creeper van, but a white dingy van. And my note is, where is Zito and Spytek? This is their bread and butter. They're the ones that do the, the unglamorous surveillance, so to speak. I know that's not the right way to put it, but, you know, Crockett and Tubbs are doing the undercover long game Zito and Switek are doing, you know, more burglary, homicide. I guess to be fair, they're focused more on like the petty counterfeit stuff that we talked about in the last episode with the counter and Lester and the playmate, which actually we'll get to. Um, so I guess maybe Crockett and Tubbs are kind of taking this over. So basically Tubbs is complaining that he had a hot day tonight that he had to pass up because Crockett wanted to play Dudley Do-Right. Uh, Canadian representation is very important to me, so... I appreciate that. <laughs> so they just kind of think it's just going to be like a minor surveillance thing, but they're watching this deal go down. The deal goes bust and shots are fired. Crockett and Tubbs shoot back. The bad guys kick open the back door of their van and shoot at Crockett and Tubbs. Crockett and Tubbs end up crashing their white panel van into a pile of dirt. We cut to the early morning. Crockett and Tubbs look so handsome. I took a lot of pictures, crockets and turquoise. I don't know how they look this good at seven in the morning being up all night, but they look great. They are a little banged up and you'll see later on in the episode, Crockett has, I don't want to say 
like a scrape, but you can see on the side of his face. I initially, when I was watching this, I just thought everybody was high out of their minds, as you'll see when you get to Jake and Bobby and them. But I think maybe there was an accident or something with the stunt. I, again, I don't know. This is just me hypothesizing. But I did have earlier notes where I was kind of like, oh, damn, they must have gone on some coke bender. It's like, oh, no, you know, maybe maybe they got injured in that stunt. So um Rodriguez ends up leaving them, tells them to go home, and laments that this was supposed to be a small deal, and talks about the number of drug ripoffs in this next clip. Real all-star season for drug ripoffs. Ten in the last three weeks, seven by the same group. What do we know about these guys, huh? Hey, hey, not now, will you please, huh? Take a walk. They come well prepared. Mitter arms, KG-99 machine pistols, and they're not in the habit of leaving witnesses. Well, we gave Homicide the license number. Where did Swiatek and Zito get a line on this deal? They put a wiretap on the guys that got shot. Look, go home, you guys, huh? Get some rest. I mean it. Remember the K KG-99 machine pistols? Those come up later. Just putting that plant in there. Cut to Crockett is having a boat party. This actually, I really like the setup of the scene. Um, they all look beautiful. It's at night. They have some like funky reggae music playing. Um, super cool, super cool party. There's lobster that they're getting ready to prepare. And two new guys and their girls are talking with Crockett, Tubbs, their dates, Gina. I think maybe Gina is Crockett's date. I didn't see Crockett with another girl, but who knows? Who can keep track of those crazy kids? And uh, so Jake and Bobby were talking about seeing a bailiff when they were undercover with a dealer, and the bailiff kind of made... I don't want to say a... I was going to say a pass, but like kind of, you know... I either waved to them or winked to them. I forget exactly what they're talking about. And they kind of asked Crockett, like, what would they do in that situation? So... <laughs> Crockett tends to do this where he'll go on these monologues. They're not so much rants, but they're just, you know, kind of like his his thought process of what he would do in a situation. But paired with that southern drawl. So um, Don Johnson himself is from Missouri, but I do not know where this accent comes from. But every time he goes on one of these rants for more than three seconds, this is what I hear. Because I kid you not, I watched that scene like five times to try to understand <laughs> what Crockett was trying to insinuate. No idea. Just static and Farmer Fran just play in the back of my head when he's talking. What I was able to gather after his like little monologue is that they're going to have a bet going of who can process the most bus. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind between Crockett and Jake and Bobby. Keep that in mind. So Crockett and Tubbs are kind of playing around talking about this lobster. And fortunately, as Tubbs is kind of playing around with the lobster, it drops in the ocean. I took a picture of it. I called the lobster pinchy. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and Crockett yells at him that it costs $28.95, which in today's dollars would be $73.20 for one lobster. So that must have been a very heavy high quality, again, a vegetarian, not the best person to ask about lobster pricing, but that is a lot of money. So no wonder Crockett's pissed. That was their dinner. <laughs> so the next scene, they're back at the fake surveillance store where Zito and Switek are kind of setting up. And this is where we meet 
Noogie. I believe his his first name is Lamont. And I'm going to play a clip. This is what you're going to be subjected to the entire episode of how loud this man talks. Yeah, buddy. All right, what's up? What's up, y'all? Daytona 365 party car, rocket to the moon. I've got the look you want to know better. I've got the glasses that's all together. Let me show you what I got, my man. I got Dunhill. All right. I got Verani. All right. I got Corora. These glasses are real good. There's glare resistance, water resistance, contender tough to Cassie, and a lot less dangerous to wear. Sunglasses? That's it? I thought you said when you phoned, we was gonna do some business. Yo, man, you better be glad I'm a Pisces and don't offend these. Outside, I have a car. That car has a trunk. Dick music, man? I got Duran Duran, front runner of fashion pop. I got Blondie, I got Toots and the Crazy Maytel. I got those tapes and more. I guess you need something to play with them. How about 30 Texas M245s? What's wrong, baby? You don't like music? How about VCR? I got one attached in the trunk that represents 50 back at the warehouse. What's that, termites, man? Now, when Noogie says termites, he hears that kind of crackling sound because he's about to get he just heard the camera he's about to get busted uh ends up getting busted and then they go back to the precinct and my note on this is big cocaine energy so this is jake and bobby talking with crockett and i'll let you uh i'll let you see for yourselves you guys okay yeah. everything's cool and you let him get away guys what's your sense of initiative imagination huh? yeah 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 hey can you guys do a little homework for me no way champ we got a business nice, appointment uh, who's your backup there's no money involved, just a preliminary. Oh, by the way, Crockett, I made a reservation in my checking account this morning. Yeah, well, it better be a withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> that is a lot of energy at once. <laughs> yeah, my notes are just like, cocaine, high AF, oh my. So again, keep that in mind that they do not want backup and that this is quote unquote just preliminary and there's no money involved. Tubbs then asked Trudy Beck at the precinct to do a little bit of recon on Desmond Maxwell, and her computer draws a blank. Then we cut to Sonny and Gina playing cute, making out in the hallway. I had to take a gif of this, and my notes are just crazy person ramblings because I'm so embarrassed for Gina at this moment. Getting your coworker, having your coworker hand your boyfriend slash co-worker his divorce papers from his wife i i i could not handle this i oh i'm just so cringed and like oh i just feel so bad for gina but she knows that this is a bad idea oh my god i just can't i just can't especially as a woman like their outfits are great that's my other note look at the picture in the gallery i made a gif of it too Beautiful. Everyone looks beautiful. Oh my God, I can't with this. I need to shake this off. Now that we're back in the precinct and I'm a little less uh, irritated by Gina's life decisions, <laughs> we get more of Noogie's full max, full speed. And I also talk quite fast and talk quite loud. So this kind of makes me think of myself. But here's another, here's another clip. What you doing? <laughs> oh, all right, little comic relief. So after he's completing about being manhandled, Crockett and Tubbs sit him down and they kind of get distracted talking to Rodriguez about the ballistics report. Noogie ends up grabbing a sheet of paper. We don't really see what's on this piece of paper, but it kind of helps us figure out that he knows that they want information on Desmond Maxwell. He doesn't want to go to jail. So he proposes this. 
<laughs> Let's hear it. Well, I've been doing some thinking. I'm much too young and too fine to do any more time. So I'm gonna do you fellas a favor. Like what? Put a sock in your mouth? <laughs> Murph, I love it. But seriously, fellas, I couldn't help overhearing on the radio earlier about a couple of Columbians that got bumped this morning. Now, I might be able to do something for you on that one. Well, yeah, like what? Well, I don't know who the shooters were, but a homeboy of mine set up the deal. A fella by the name of Desmond Maxwell, ring a bell? So you fellas want to do business together or what? <laughs> Spoiler alert, Nugi is not as close with Desmond Maxwell as he makes it seem, but... It kind of leads into this episode and takes on a little bit of a wild ride. So the next clip, they go down to Jamaica Town. And <laughs> I have to play this clip because it's so 80s. Fellow by the name of Desmond Maxwell, a Jamaican dude. What's in it for me? Well, if you come across anything, a hundred bucks on a brand new VCR. Front load? And you know that, homeboy. I'm right. Take care of that for me. How much more of this uh, hot comedy we're going to put up with this dude, huh? Well, Jamaica Town is only 10 blocks square. Give me a break, man. I will serve no swine before his time. Yo, see that dude over there, man? My man makes a living burning down cleaners and whatnot. Yo, Ramon. Hey, dog, man. People jealous What's of the up, nook, man. man. What's up, homeboy? How you hey, feel, man? man? My man makes a living selling stolen gravity boots. Can you do with that? Hey, Lamont, spare us the Fortune 500 and the sleaze always set, will you? Yo, man, I'm getting a little rusty around the edges. I need a little pick-me-up. And I got a friend live right around the corner. You want to get high? Well, you know, they'll serve the purpose. You understand what I'm saying? So, this little squirrel. We don't work our informants that way. You got it. I will forget I said anything, man. Great. That was a long clip, but I want to go back and talk about some of the very 80s references that some of our younger listeners might not know about. So front-loading VCRs, I believe um, that's what I grew up with was the front-loading VCR that has a slot in the front. You just push it in. But there were also, I think, top-loading VCRs is probably what they're called, where you lift it up and it kind of like the glass opens on a diagonal and you put the tape in there. Um, I believe that's what it was. That's what I saw um, a boy I dated in grade eight had a... VCR rewinder that was like that, that was top loading. And then gravity boots is they were these boots that you would um, wear and then you'd hook yourself up to a bar that hung from your ceiling. Um, I believe it was two bars and you kind of hung the top of your boots. You like locked your boots in and you hung upside down to increase blood flow, to reduce back pain. The last time I saw this in pop culture was in American Gigolo where Richard Gere's character has a pair of them. And uh, he looked great, so maybe they do work. But I've tried those, not the same thing, but I've tried, like, I put my legs up on the wall sometimes after work, after I bartend to kind of get the blood flow, and they do help. Um, but I've tried those back stretchers where you kind of just suspend upside down, and it just provides, a, it just gives you a lot of pressure in the head. It's not really a great experience. So I'm pretty sure that's why gravity boots are no more. Back to the scene, he... <laughs> <laughs> Nogi makes a big tantrum, falls on the ground. Um, but they do find info about where Desmond Maxwell hangs out. And he plays dominoes, I believe, every Tuesday at this bar. I did take a picture once the scene, uh, once we transitioned to the bar scene, because there's this guy, I swear to God, was Jesse L. Martin from the first couple seasons of Law & Order. It is not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know we all look alike, you something crackers. 
<laughs> yeah. So take a look at the gallery. It really does look like Jesse L. Martin for a second. Um, but back to the scene. So they're at this really cool kind of um, I don't want to say it's like a dive bar. It's kind of just like a live music, just like a, just a bar. Um, music's going on. They have a band playing jamming by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Lots of cute outfits that I uh, tried to clip and put on the gallery. Tubbs also looks super handsome. I took a picture of this. He's wearing two different shades of blue, but they don't clash with each other. Um, and then him and Crockett are talking about the divorce. But guess who else is there? Obviously, Noogie. And guess who needs to borrow 60 bucks? Noogie, guess how much $60 in 1984 is worth now? $161 in 2022. So keep that in mind. He's not just asking for a couple bucks. He's asking for $161. Um, so again, kind of Crockett and Tubbs are talking about the divorce and that Caroline wants to meet up for lunch and kind of go things, go with her lawyer and go over things with Crockett. And, you know, as they're talking, they kind of notice that, hey, Gus is not there anymore. So yes, Noogie has dipped. He... <laughs> <laughs> again, once again, he does that kind of like, ah, like fall to the ground thing. Um, so they get him. And guess what? He doesn't actually know Desmond Maxwell. He just knew that they wanted intel on Desmond Maxwell and he didn't want to go to prison. Um, do they put him in the trunk was my question. And the answer is yes. <laughs> so again, um, newer Ferraris, I believe so. Obviously, I'm not an expert. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be <laughs> doing a podcast from my bathroom slash closet. Thank you very much. But the... Engine typically is located where the trunk is, and then the front usually has like storage. But again, this was the Spider. This was a front engine Ferrari. I think that's how how you how you quantify it as a front facing front front engine front facing front loading VCRs, front engine Ferraris. All about the front in the eighties. All about the front, not the back. Speaking of the front, you have to check out the front of this building that <laughs> Crockett and Carolina are meeting for lunch. It is. You know, I mentioned like my cocaine palace, um, how I love and how I admire this kind of energy in this architecture. I'd give this like an 8 out of 10. If it had more pastels and more glass blocks, it would be a 10 out of 10 because it is wild. It's similar to the building in, maybe it's the same building. It's similar to the building in Heart of Darkness in episode two, the one we just covered, um, where it kind of has like a zigzag pattern. Super cool. Again, this is very much the 80s. So they're sitting down to lunch. There's a maitre d'. Caroline is a very beautiful woman. Very beautiful woman. And I'm assuming when filming, her character is supposed to be around 34. She herself, I'm assuming, is 34, 35. They style her that she looks so matronly. And I understand that styling has come a long way and that 50-year-olds do not look like the Golden Girls anymore. But this is what happened in the 80s. Like Once you pass 30, it's just like, all right, you're a bona fide. You're a mom. Can't be cute. Can't be stylish. She's a very pretty woman. And they do her no service by styling her. I would love to see her styled today. And how she would look. I think she would just look a lot more youthful and vibrant because she really isn't a dour character. She's not a sad character. She has a lot of moxie and she stands up for herself. She should not be styled like this. <laughs> that is my grip. The men look great. The men look super stylish and fashion forward. The women, except for Trudy and Gina, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Well, the reason they're meeting for lunch, sorry, I keep going off on tangents about the fashion. Caroline wants to move back to Atlanta. Also, they also say up in Atlanta, speaking about prison later on this episode, and you keep forgetting, oh yeah, Miami is south of Atlanta, like far south. So it is just kind of funny because you never think, I would never have thought of Atlanta as 
north because I always lived above Atlanta. Or I guess now I'm similar lat similar latitude. And speaking of Atlanta, Crocker's not going to go for it. He's going to fight it, storms out of the restaurant when the maitre d' stops him, and listen to how Crockett answers the phone. Oh, Mr. Crockett. Crockett. Yeah, Tubbs. No hi, no how are you, no hi who is this, just Crockett. All right, he's getting straight down to business. However, Tubbs is not calling him with good news. He's calling him because Jake and Bobby got ambushed on this quote-unquote just preliminary deal that they were going on. And Jake is in the hospital. Bobby died at the scene. So we see Crockett pull up in... <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of the, uh, the ambush. He just parks right in the middle of the street right next to the crime scene. And like, I know he's supposed to be undercover. So I'm like, this is just, I don't know. It, it A lot of things always conflict with me because I'm like, that's not really like a low-key car. And you're pulling up to a crime scene and you're showing that you're involved with a crime scene on the other side that you're not really a criminal under. Like, it's just... I'm I'm trying to let go of the expectation of reality and enjoy it. Because, yeah, like when you dissect a little too much, it kind of takes the fun out of this. The whole point is that now they're going to get the ball rolling. Now they have to really catch these guys. Um, like we talked about in the beginning, the assailants had machine pistols. So we can deduce it's the same guys that we that they've been following earlier. There is a tape I'm going to play for you because Bobby tried to identify them before he died. Speaking of bad accents... This is maybe not as good as the pilot, but it's there. Here's the tape. Hey, brother, what it is? What it is, man? Jamaican. Hey, you alone? Just me, man. I got the cash? When do we get to see the dope? Where the hell's the backup? Make the deal today. Didn't request any. It's supposed to be an introduction. Right, right now? You're going to try and pop them. Why? Right here, man. Take a look. I'm Miami Vice. You're under arrest. They're out there all alone. Why are they playing gunslinger? Put your hands on the bench right now, man. Jake, look out! And it took me a couple of rewatches to figure out, like, I know Crockett doesn't say anything. Usually Crockett is the first one to pipe up, you know, explain his case. He doesn't really do things out of malice. He's he's pretty by the book. And you can see when Rodriguez is like, why are they out there alone? Why don't they have backup? Why are they playing gunslinger? Crockett knows that there was, you know, a little talk of a bet and there was a little friendly competition and and that everything really got messed up. So the other audio I'm going to play for you guys in a little bit is once it gets cleaned up. There's no point playing it now. It just kind of sounds busted. Uh, so Lester, our favorite guy who's really good at wiring people, as we learned in Heart of Darkness, he's going to try to clean up the audio. And then Trudy comes in with some news that Desmond and Noogie both did time together. Again, this is where she says, up in Atlanta. And that's the same thing. This is the second Atlanta mentioned the episode. And yeah, going up north, going back up north to Atlanta always blows my mind. Uh, so Noogie's getting a little bit nervous. So they go to interrogate him. I always took a picture of this. It is Crockett rolling the cigarette across his tongue. When I first was doing the notes on this, I was like 100% cocaine in there. He's going to rub it on his gums. I take that back. With unfiltered cigarettes, which I have not smoked since high school, <laughs> apparently you do kind of wet the tip so you're not getting the little bits of tobacco in your mouth, which I did not do. That's probably why I stopped trying to smoke them. Um, there was this place downtown by my gym that used to sell 
definitely expired Marlboros that fell off the back of a truck and they were unfiltered Marlboro Reds. And I thought I'd be cool and smoke them. I don't even know how many I got through, but uh, I definitely vividly remember them at the time. So he's looking the cigarette to kind of like make sure to kind of like, because to keep everything in place so it doesn't, none of the little tobacco flakes, little tobacco bits get on your lips because that's kind of gross. So I put that back because I have heard people who stuff cocaine into the recessed filters of parliaments. Uh, I don't know how that works. If you know, please, please reach out, sign my DMs, explain to me. But uh, that's what I thought at first. So I take that back. I did take a gift of it though. So it's kind of a cool gift of him like rolling the cigarette on his tongue. So Crockett persuades Noogie to set up a drug deal between them and Desmond to really get the ball rolling. Uh, <laughs> Noogie's not that excited. No, Noogie's not that excited for that. Oop, I am actually making an edit on my previous note because the next scene they're going out to a club with gorgeous outfits and this is the club they're playing jamming at. I do apologize. I got my notes wrong. And there's a woman with a beautiful yellow dress. I believe I took a picture of it. You can see in the gallery. And they finally meet Desmond. Desmond is a very tall man. I don't think that Don Johnson and Phil and Michael Thomas themselves were that tall and Nogi doesn't seem tall as well. And when famous people say they're six feet, they're really like five eight, five seven. Um, I've only met a few famous people working in the bars. All the the men were definitely below five seven. I've never met a famous person or a famous man over five seven. I know they exist. Um, I don't think Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas are that short, but I want to say maybe like five nine. So this Desmond Maxwell character is at least like six foot three, or maybe the angle is just shot in a way that makes him look like a statue of a man because this is a very scary man. Uh, one interesting note that maybe it was like a retcon thing, Sonny's undercover name, he introduces himself as Sonny Bates, not Sonny Burnett, Sonny Bates. That's an interesting one. I don't know if that was just a writer goof or it comes back in like season five because season four, yeah, season five and season four, I know is when his undercover life and his personal life kind of overlap. So Sonny Bates. <laughs> Rico wants to do a deal for $10,000 worth of cocaine. Another atrocious Jamaican accent. I do not know. <laughs> Philip Michael Thomas himself grew up, I believe, in Ohio and then Riverside, California. So I don't put this on him, but they could have brought someone in for like accent training or coaching because this is so cringy. And again, I'm a white girl who grew up in Toronto, but... I could have brought five white guys who used to sit in the auditorium during assemblies and go, brap, brap, and they probably would have been able to do a better Jamaican accent than this. So I'm not faulting him, but I do not know how this slipped out. Like, this is also taking place in Miami. Like, you'd think that there'd be a little bit more research and a little bit more editing done to make this sound perfect. Um, so they want to do a $10,000 Coke deal. Desmond says, no, he doesn't do deals with strangers. Then Tubbs kind of brings out, you know, hey, you did time with Nogi, you know Nogi. And then Tubbs also tries to play that they have a Montego Bay connection. Try to actually play that he's actually from Jamaica, which, again, <laughs> if he was, <laughs> this was true, this would absolutely fall through the cracks right away because you know that absolute is so fake. Um, so they do kind of agree to do a deal. This is where Tubbs and Crockett disagree. Sonny gives Desmond Noogie's number. Tubbs instantly calls him out and warns him of the danger that he's basically putting Noogie in danger. And that if they find out that Noogie is doing deal with an undercover cop, it's a really, really, it's a death sentence for Noogie, basically. 
And when Croc is told that he's cutting corners by Tubbs, of course, he retaliates and throws it back in Tubbs's face. And I was like, there, there's a little bit of a difference. I putting a witness's or an informant's life in grave danger versus carrying out a vigilante mission to avenge your fallen brother. I, I would be more like Tubbs. I think I relate more to Tubbs in that. Whereas Sonny is always kind of praising himself by being by the book and being a good cop and you know, playing by the rules, whereas Tubbs openly has broken the rules, but not at the expense of witnesses or informants. And they do talk about that a little bit in the pilot, you know, that basically how many guys were following this guy and that they announced in court that he was an informant and worked with the cops. Again, instant death sentence. So, all right. Aside from that, Crockett says he's going to go there and that he'll be there and that he'll set up Three levels of surveillance and backup units. I crossed out three layers, so I hope I'm right on this. And I do appreciate the talk. Crockett and Tubbs kind of hold each other accountable and make sure that they follow the rules and that they, it's basically both of them kind of play off each other and it's different levels of conscious consciousness and morals. You know, neither one of them is immoral, but it's just kind of nice to have someone, you know, remind you of the rules and remind you to play by the rules. So they're driving Nugi home. And Homicide calls in and says they got the shooters. Then we cut to the interrogation room. Speaking of bad cops. So we see a guy sitting down, busted face. The makeup is really bad. Again, maybe because I'm watching this with, you know, on Blu-ray and not even HDTV. And again, I know this was filmed in 1983, but the makeup looked really bad and cakey and they did not match his skin tone. So again, that has come a long way since 1983, 1984 not trying to hold them accountable. You know, they did great stuff with the makeup on Miami Vice. But yeah, this kind of looks, it like took me out of the scene. I'm like, oh, it looks a little cheap. And the guy they're interrogating denies the murder. So they found the van abandoned while he's icing his face. Crockett is pissed. Crockett is pissed. Also question, why is there a court reporter in an interrogation room? I'm not sure how this works. <laughs> but a court reporter, maybe she's just um, – maybe she's not a court reporter. She's a stenographer. There might be a difference between that. I know court reporters have that fancy keyboard and they have to – you basically omit all the vowels. And a stenographer is the one with the mask. And I think stenographers now also use the same keyboard. So maybe that's it. She's not actually a court reporter. She's a stenographer and she's trying to keep – minutes or basically keep notes of the interrogation um and also so you're just beating up witnesses in front of other criminal justice I, it, it's, it's a little wild it's a little wild 100 believable 100 believable because when crockett finally grabs aleshi's shirt and asks him what this is about he basically says that you know he got a little shaken up and a little you know bruised coming into custody and crockett knows what that is and crockett is super pissed because if this deal falls through because of incorrect procedure during an arrest, the whole thing could fall through and he's rightly pissed. So Rodriguez kind of breaks it up, but he does tell Alessi, the guy that beat up the other guy, that he will have to answer to eternal affairs. So that's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to see that you can't, in 1984, at least the message was that you shouldn't and you couldn't get away with this stuff. Then Tubbs and Rodriguez are talking and that the suspects that they have in custody are Haitian, but they originally thought they were Jamaican. Rodriguez says, what's the difference? My note is rude. Uh, Haiti and Jamaica have completely different histories. Comp oh, my God. Haiti was the first freed country in the Western Hemisphere. And Jamaica was a British colony. France was Haiti was a French colony. 
that uprose and was the first slave rebellion in the Western Hemisphere to be successful, that is very proved. That is very proved. There's a very big difference. And I that the, the languages are different too. Oh my God. So yeah, this this was this really grew grinded my gears as they say um but we have good news from lester our favorite guy for plastics and sound he has transferred and slowed down and basically kind of brushed up finesse the tape to kind of get what the message was saying and he really wants crockett and tubs to listen to it they actually blow him off and good for lester he does not back down and he basically goes them into listening to it and it's all good but now here's the tape Three Jamaicans. They may not have known the difference. Red, red, hell, dog, dog, red, hell, dog, dog. Red Eldorado? Driving a red Eldorado? The Haitians claim they found the van this morning. The Jamaicans dumped the van after our shootout and picked up a new car. Homicide's got the wrong guys. Shooters are still at large and Dookie's out there by himself. I got something I gotta tell you. I got something to tell you, man. There's three dudes here that wanna put that deal together. You hear me? Yeah, these dudes are definitely just not there to hang out. I do appreciate the score, the kind of like bouncy, spooky island rhythm score uh, that they got going on. I'm not sure of the proper name of it. I can I can look that up. But yeah, so actually now SWAT is having a preliminary meeting and rundown talking about like who's going to do what, what's stationed. Um, Crockett shuts down idea to have a bullhorn because he knew that would be another death sentence for Nogi. So actually Crockett is really stepping up here. He's really trying to protect Nogi. He's kind of realizing that he might be responsible for getting him in this mess. And it's not just him. You know, it's a whole chain of events. And actually if it hadn't been for Lester, it might be a whole different story. So kudos to Lester. You get shit on one episode and then he's a hero of the other. Now the scene cuts and we're at Nugi's apartment. We see Crockett pull up solo. Hmm. Hmm. Where could Tubbs be? So Crockett goes upstairs. They ask him about his partner and the money. Crockett asks to see the stuff and they're not down with that. They want to see the money first. So one scary looking dude in a vest goes down with Crockett to get the money from the car. And so <laughs> they try to make conversation. He's not having it. You know, you fellas ain't showing a great deal of good faith. Why not shut up, boy? Okay, it's right here in the trunk. That sound you heard was Tubbs tasing the guy, taking his outfit, putting it on, and coming back in with Crockett. Again, like none of them would notice that this guy looks a little different. But to be fair, I guess that 
the guy has sunglasses on and so does Tubbs. So I guess that kind of helps, you know, momentarily. But that's what I thought when I saw it. So like, this is not going to go right. They're going to recognize him. But who knows? We're not there yet. But uh, so they start walking upstairs and there's a little flashback to Jack. Sorry, Jake and Bobby um, laughing. And I can't <laughs> can't get over that laugh. Like, <laughs> Hold on. Do I have a clip of it? Oh, by the way, Crockett, I made a reservation in my checking account this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, it better be a withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was actually the show playing that laugh twice. It wasn't me. So they even know. They're like, what? <laughs> what are these guys on? So they busted the door. One guy starts using Noogie as a human shield. I did take a picture because Tubbs looks super handsome in his getup. Uh, you know, aside from the point. Uh, so Noogie is shot, but the paramedics end up coming. He's going to be okay. And then they get good news that Jake is out of his coma. So the next scene, a much happier scene taking place in the daytime. Everybody looks beautiful in stripes. Crockett and Tubbs are there to visit Jake. And then also they run into Noogie. So Noogie's coming out. He's meeting his girl. His girl's super cute. She has a, pu- a very cute pink Mustang. And Crockett and Tubbs have a box of candy for him. And let's see how that goes in this next clip. Three crazed Jamaicans and you buy me a box of candy and you think everything is cool? Let's see what kind of candy this is. Turtles? I hate turtles, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, can I relate? I love turtles. It is funny. I didn't realize that turtles got its notoriety from being a box of candy, like gifting, because I just kind of knew it. I think there was a Baskin Robbins ice cream flavor or something with turtles, but it wasn't in the box. So I didn't realize that you could just give a box of turtles. They are better if you warm them up a little bit when the caramel is all melty. With my hands, you can see me doing like the, the rubbing motion. I could see myself in the mirror. Very tasty. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. Noogie goes off with this beautiful girl. Uh, Jake's getting out of surgery. Crockett and Tubbs look super handsome. Everybody looks great in stripes. All different ki- ty- all different types of stripes, too. you got different thicknesses, different colors, different patterns, different directions. 10 out of 10, whoever styled this last scene. 10 out of 10. And that's the episode. I need to find a good sound effect, like a bell, or like, I like the Diaz Samero when the kids are going, yay! So I'll try to think of something, something fun. But yeah, let's run down. My favorite outfits, for sure, no doubt about it, after hearing me go on about it. I'm not really good at, like, building up the momentum of, like, what's my favorite outfit? Very much wear my heart on my sleeve, but at least that's why I have the pictures. I have the gallery, so you can all see it there. It's in my fave five. Tubs in the bad guy getup. He just looks so good and handsome and stylish. And I also really loved Crockett with the silver blazer with the coral undershirt at the bar. I think he looked so handsome there. Coral is really, 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 really great for Don Johnson. Brings out his eyes. um, Because, you know, on the color wheel, that blue and orange are on the opposite ends. So they always recommend if you have blue eyes to kind of wear copper eyeshadow. And for this, they're just pairing it that beautifully tanned face Blue eyes, coral, some silver in there. Love it. Um, and I needed to get a little intro thing for songs too. I think I was, I think I almost found one. So I'll let you know. Hopefully by episode four, we'll have this going. So it's not just like snooze town. Uh, my favorite song is the only song I can recognize, <laughs> sorry, was the Jammin' cover. 
um, in the dance club. But I also kind of like that spooky score, that like island score. I wonder if they're just like, here you go, Jan Hammer, just do like spooky island score. He's like, I gotcha. If this sounds a little janky and out of context, it's because I had to delete what I said earlier. I could not read my own handwriting when I was naming off the songs. So now I'll probably read you the songs. King Tubby Meets the Rockers Uptown was the opening song. And that's by Augustus Pablo. Feel the Spirit by the Wailing Souls. Reality Dub by Linton Quessie Johnson. And actually, the spooky island music I was speaking of is actually called Cool Running, composed by Jan Hammer. Again, the Fave Five, the restaurant building <laughs> the diagonal restaurant building first one tubs in the um bad guy outfit number two number three if i remember correctly is gina and crockett getting cocked blocked by his divorce papers because it's so cringy to me <sighs> sigh i have to stop ranting about this there's every episode is just going to be love love advice for gina um i also put a little picture in the fast five of the tiny little cassette <laughs> Advanced, again, this was 1984. There was actually advanced technology at the time. And then, of course, the last one is the pink Mustang. I had a Mustang for 13 years. Not as cute as hers, but very cute in my own right. It was um, candy apple red was the color, where hers is a matte pink, where mine had a little bit of shimmer, and it was like a really nice, not maroon, but it was like a really rich red. Goddamn, it was a beautiful car. But I think it lived through seven winters and then six more years in California. So there's... I got all the use I could out of it. And uh, good night, sweet prince. I miss her all the time. Miss her all the time. But yeah, any Mustang will always take my heart and will always make onto the Fast Five. Thank you so much for listening. Next week is fun because next week is Calderon's Return Part one it's going to be a really good episode so I'm really excited to do that with you guys. Don't forget, you can check out everything I've mentioned uh, picture-wise. You can always see that at the gallery at viceandeasypodcast.com. And don't forget, you can follow and view me and listen to me wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen on YouTube. Follow me on socials, Vice and Easy Podcast. So again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Friday. Hey, man. Miami Wise is number one new show.